So what I discovered along the way is that the companies that struggle the most are those with leaders that lack financial literacy. This is Boosting Your Financial IQ, where I help business professionals with financial responsibility to elevate their careers and run profitable companies. My hope is that you'll apply these lessons to achieve your greatest ambitions. Cheers and enjoy. When I was 16 years old, I left home and I moved into my sister's house. And at the time she had young little kids, but she was kind enough to let me shack up with her and live in her basement. So here I was living in this dark room. I don't even know if it's fire code approved because there are no windows. All I remember is that there is a washer and dryer and I thought that was pretty neat. But nonetheless, I was just grateful that I had a place to live that was safe and comfortable. Now, this is no knock on my mom because I love my mom. I think she's the greatest in the world. The problem was is that she was married to this guy who was a complete punk. And maybe you can relate. But when he said, Steve, it's my way or the highway, I took him up on that and I took the highway. So I left home with zero dollars, zero safety net. I'm living with my sister in her basement, making $4.25 an hour, and trust me, it wasn't cutting it. So I upgraded and I started working for a landscape and sprinkler company for a couple summers in high school. But then I decided to go out on my own. And that's when I launched my landscaping business out of my sister's garage. And I remember building shelves where I had all my parts. I bought this Subaru as a total piece of junk. It was army green. The back window was busted out because I went around a corner once too fast and the compressor fell through the window. But regardless, it was sufficient and it allowed me to make money. I was charging 50 bucks an hour, marking up my parts by two to three times. And that was a far cry from my $4 and 25 cents an hour at the local Dairy Queen. What started as a side hustle out of my sister's garage quickly grew into a multi-million dollar business. We were designing and building these amazing projects with water features and putting greens and outdoor kitchens and fireplaces and the whole shebang is really cool. And I had a great team that trusted in me and they dedicated their energy, their time and their, just their hearts to helping me to build this great company. So here I was leading this organization and I don't say all this to brag, but just to provide you with the context that you need to know that it wasn't like I was running this small little side business. It was a legit business. Here's the embarrassing thing though. I couldn't read a financial statement. Now I'm not an idiot. So when my accountant gave me the financial statements, the income statement, balance sheet and statement of cash flows, obviously I could look on the income statement and interpret that revenue equaled my sales. And then when I looked at the bottom line, I knew that that was my profit. But for everything else in between, I had no clue what the story actually was behind the numbers. In fact, if you asked me, Steve, how do you increase gross margin? I couldn't tell you that is through volume, price premiums, or cost efficiencies. I was financially illiterate, folks. And that's what I want to help you to avoid because guess what happened to me? I failed. And if you've never stood in front of people to tell them that because of your lack of business acumen, or financial literacy, the business failed. I mean, I could tell you it's terrible. You definitely don't want to go down this path. You want to avoid this. So every day we're out there making financial decisions in business. And if we don't understand the story behind the numbers, we're not going to be able to understand where to focus our attention to drive greater value. And here's the thing. If we make just one bad decision, oftentimes, or just a handful of bad decisions throughout the entire year, we can wipe out all the profit that we work so hard to earn. So let's avoid that. And then we're going to start by walking through the core financial statements that are crucial for any business. Now, before we go into these three financial statements, I want to encourage you to go to the website, byfiq.com, which stands for boosting your financial IQ. 
and take the financial IQ assessment. It's really fast to take, and it will give you a great understanding of where you are on the financial literacy spectrum. So I recommend taking it before you listen to this episode, because then you'll be able to test your knowledge, understand exactly where you need to focus, and then it'll just enhance your learning experience as you then tune back into this episode and finish it up. So if you haven't taken that financial IQ assessment already, go ahead and do so now. So let's keep going with the financial statements. The trio of statements essential to grasp are the income statement, balance sheet, and statement of cash flows. Unfortunately, too many business professionals are making financial decisions solely from the income statement. And this is an incomplete and myopic approach that can harm the business and cost you a lot of money along the way. And the reason why is because 70% of businesses that go bankrupt are profitable when they close their doors. So if you're just looking at the income statement, all you're paying attention to is profit, but profit is not the same as cash and cash is king. So let's dive in by talking about the income statement. The income statement, often referred to as the profit and loss statement or the P&L, is a financial report that summarizes the revenues, costs, and expenses incurred during a specific period of time, typically over a fiscal quarter or a calendar year. This statement reflects the company's financial performance over this period, essentially showing how revenue is transformed into net income. To use the income statement effectively, you should focus on several key aspects. Number one, revenue. This is the income received from normal operations, usually from the sale of products and services to customers. Next, we have expenses, and there are three types of expenses. Number one, cost of goods sold. Number two, operating expenses, also known as OPEX. And number three, other expenses. I'll explain each of these in more detail now. First up, we have cost of goods sold. These are all the costs associated with delivering your product or service to the end user. They may include things such as direct materials, direct labor, subcontractor cost, and all other costs associated with revenue generation. This is where I see a lot of companies go wrong because they have costs that are associated with cost of goods sold, but they're sitting down in operating expenses, which I'll explain now. Operating expenses, also known as OPEX, are your fixed expenses or your SG&A selling general and administrative expenses, also known as your overhead related to running the business. Such expenses may include general and administrative salaries, sales and marketing, your rent, your utilities, professional services, insurance, and other costs not necessarily directly correlated to revenue generation. That's how they vary from cost of goods sold. So don't get those two classifications confused. And then below operating expenses, you have other expenses. And these are expenses not associated with the normal operations of the business. So for example, interest expense, unless you're a bank and you're in the business of earning interest income and paying interest expense, it's not a normal part of operations and therefore it should be classified in other expenses. Also, you may have a loss on a sale of a piece of equipment. Once again, unless you're in the business of selling equipment, it would be classified as an other expense below operating income. And then last, we have net income, which is the proverbial bottom line, and it's calculated as revenue minus expenses. It represents the company's profit or loss. So let me walk you through these components here again. First, we have revenue, the sales of the company. Then we have cost of goods sold. When you take revenue minus cost of goods sold, you end up with gross profit, also known as gross margin. Then you take out operating expenses, 
or OPEX or SGNA or whatever you want to call it. And then you end up with operating income or loss. Then remember, you have other income and other expenses associated with items not necessarily correlated with normal operations. And then you account for those and you end up with net income. That's the bottom, bottom line. There are two other terms that you should know related to the income statement. First, we have EBITDA, which stands for earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. It's a measure calculated to assess a company's operational efficiency by revealing profits from the business's core operations without the impact of financing and accounting decisions. So in other words, we ignore the capital structure of the business because we're not including interest. We also don't account for taxes or how the business depreciates or amortizes its fixed assets. So we have earnings before these things, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. This metric allows investors and analysts to compare profitability between companies and industries because it removes the effect of leverage and various accounting practices. But here's one thing I want you to keep in mind. EBITDA is not the same thing as cash flow. That's a misconception that exists out there in the world, and I don't want you to fall into that type of thinking. Next, we have EBIT. So if you just drop the DA, which stands for depreciation and amortization, you end up with EBIT. It stands for earnings before interest and taxes. It's another profitability measure that focuses on a company's ability to generate income from operations, but it includes depreciation and amortization. EBIT gives a clearer view of the operational performance of a company's core business by excluding the cost of debt financing and tax obligations. Both EBITDA and EBIT are crucial indicators for assessing a company's financial health and operational success, and that's why I also wanted to mention these. So understanding these components allows for a comprehensive analysis of a company's operational efficiency and profitability. It's essential, though, to consider the income statement in conjunction with the balance sheet and the statement of cash flows to get a full picture of a company's financial status. So let's move on to the balance sheet. The balance sheet is another pillar of financial reporting, and it provides a detailed snapshot of a company's financial condition at a specific point in time. It lists out the company's assets, liabilities, and shareholders' equity following the basic accounting equation, which is this, and this is what I want you to remember here. Assets equal liabilities plus equity. Let's go through each of these in more detail. Assets are resources that are owned by the company, such as cash, inventory, and property that are expected to provide future economic benefits. Then we have liabilities. These are the obligations of the company. In other words, the amounts owed to creditors for past transactions, such as loans, accounts payable, and mortgages. And then we have equity, which represents the residual interest in the assets of the company after deducting liabilities. So you must understand that the balance sheet does more than just list out these numbers. In fact, it provides crucial insights into a company's liquidity, leverage, and overall financial health. Specifically, here's some things that you should be attentive to. Number one, liquidity ratios, such as the current and quick ratios which indicate the company's ability to cover short-term liabilities with short-term assets. Another thing to pay attention to involves solvency ratios, which includes debt-to-equity and debt-to-total assets ratios, which shed light on the company's long-term stability and its capacity to meet long-term obligations. 
Also from the balance sheet, you can determine return on equity. This measure indicates how effectively shareholder equity is being used to generate profit. Now, these are just a few ratios that exist out there. There are a ton of other ratios, metrics, and KPIs. I just want to point out that the balance sheet can provide some really valuable insights as it pertains to a company's overall financial health. The balance sheet is a critical tool for financial decision-making as it reveals the capital structure of the business, providing a framework for understanding risk and return. Analyzing a balance sheet in conjunction with the income statement and the statement of cash flows can give you a complete view of a company's financial capabilities and performance. Last up, we have the statement of cash flows and it's by far my favorite financial statement. So imagine this, here's this metaphor that I like to use. The income statement falls in love with the balance sheet. They just love each other. They end up getting married and they have a baby. That baby is the statement of cash flows. And the reason why I use that metaphor is because the income statement and the balance sheet, when those two things are combined, because the statement of cash flows begins with net income, and then it reflects all the changes on the balance sheet to get you to ending cash. When you combine those financial statements, you end up with the statement of cash flows. So remember cash flow is king, but most companies don't look at the statement of cash flows because their accounting software, such as QuickBooks, isn't robust enough to produce a detailed and accurate statement of cash flows. So they just don't look at it. So this is really critical to evaluate your business. And if you're not looking at it, make sure you do. And if you're not really comfortable with it, I'm going to walk you through just the overall framework of it. So at least you can begin to understand what it's all about. So a statement of cash flow provides a comprehensive view on how a company generates funds and where those funds are spent broken down into three main categories. First, we have operating activities. This section reflects the cash flows from the core business operations, including receipts from sales of goods and services and payments to suppliers and employees. Next, we have investing activities. These are cash flows related to the acquisition and disposal of long-term assets, such as property, plant, and equipment, known as capital expenditures or CapEx. It also includes investments in securities and other businesses. And then the third section involves financing activities. This includes cash flows associated with borrowing and repayments of borrowings, issuance and buyback of company shares, and payment of dividends. If you are making financial decisions, understanding the statement of cash flows is crucial for several reasons. Number one, it reveals the company's capacity to generate positive cash flow, which is essential for maintaining and growing operations, paying expenses, and satisfying creditors. Number two, the component of cash flow from operations in particular is closely watched as it indicates viability and profitability of a company's core business activities. Next, by dissecting how cash is used in investing and financing activities, it's possible to understand a company's strategy for capital expenditure and how it manages its capital structure. And lastly, it's vital to assess a company's liquidity position by reconciling net income from the income statement with cash provided by operating activities, which can often detect issues that may not be apparent in the accrual accounting basis or on other financial statements. So as you can see, the statement of cash flows is an indispensable tool in financial analysis, informing decisions on whether a company has stable cash flows to endure challenges and capitalize on opportunities. And that's why I love it so much. All right, so that's a wrap. That's what I wanted to cover in today's episode. The big thing here is that I don't want you to go down the same path that I went down and make the same mistakes. 
to avoid future mishaps in business after I failed early on, I decided to 10X my investment in financial literacy. I went back to school. I got my undergraduate in accounting and finance. I did my master's in accounting. I got my CPA. I worked in public accounting. I served as a CFO for multiple companies. I got my MBA with an emphasis on strategy. And I don't say all that to brag. I don't think I'm anything special. I just want to point out the importance of financial literacy and demonstrate to you that I'm walking the talk. We are on the same exact path and I'm investing in my financial literacy, just like I'm advocating and nudging you to do the same. It has changed my life for the better. And I want you to have the same opportunity to experience the same level of success. So what I discovered along the way is that the companies that struggle the most are those with leaders that lack financial literacy. I'm not talking about being a nerd, doing debits and credits and managing and reconciling a trial balance. Instead, I just want you to learn the language of business, which is finance. When you look at a financial statement, you should pinpoint exactly where to focus on to drive greater value. So to do this and to help you fast track your path and to help my clients fast track their path, what I did is I put together a course called Understanding the Language of Financial Statements. It took me about 50 hours to complete this three-hour mini course. So what I did is I condensed everything down and I put it together into this one course taught from a CFO perspective so you can know exactly how to read financial statements. So you may want to check that out. It's at byfiq.com. That's a great resource for you. If you don't want to take my course, that's totally fine. You can look at YouTube videos. You can read books. You can listen to more episodes on this podcast. Whatever you choose to do, I just encourage you to act because like I said, financial literacy will make all the difference in the world of business. So if you want to be successful in your career and you want to make more money, you have to know how money works. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I hope you have a great week. And until next time, take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey, real quick. If you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at BYFIQ.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit BYFIQ.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.